Well, this is our first recording of 2024. Can't believe the new year is already here. Um, very excited for today to have Pat and Val of Back Creek Farm on the podcast. But first, we're going to start out with a little catch up since it's been a few weeks since Daniel and I have been together recording. So, Dan, what's been going on at the bakery and at the farm? We had a great rest time over Christmas. I don't think we've taken this amount of time completely off, shut the bakery down and did a little bit of baking, but had a lot of time to refuel and consider what the new year's going to look like. Probably the biggest takeaway that I'm excited to announce and to share is that we're going to begin shipping frozen product nationwide at the start of February. So Jill has been branding this new venture for us, and it's called The Baker's Box by Seasons Yield. And this came as a response to many friends and many complete strangers who have emailed and say, hey, you know, I live in Ohio. Is there any way we can get this frozen pizza dough out to us? Any way you can ship croissants out to us? So we've dabbled in the frozen goods through Polyface. So you can buy frozen goods, but you is dependent upon your meat purchase. You can't just... So currently, add. if you order meat from Polyface, you can add on a bread order. It's an add-on, yeah, right. Gotcha. So we've been mulling this over, and we see this as a unique opportunity that we hadn't foreseen. Um, but we're going to throw some dry ice in a box and give it a whirl. So that's going to start in February. Super excited about the upside that it provides the business. And we can do it with the staffing that we already have. So it's a means of maximizing the personnel, kind of the organizational management piece that really feels exciting to us. So that's our that's our big push and one of our big focuses for the new year. Super pumped. So look for look for the baker's box coming to your doorstep Love it. soon. So that's so awesome. Yeah, how about you, bud? We had similar um a nice easy uh holiday christmas and new year we sold most of our cow calf herd as um as you know so we were, we're down to a handful of heifers and a bull so it's nice to have a little bit of uh less responsibility on the farm over the winter um a big exciting update in terms of projects was we broke ground on a road for our cottages that we're building at the farm very excited about that it then proceeded to rain for many days, so <laughs> we've gotten only that far. Um, but yeah, luckily the rain was it was needed, and luckily it wasn't uh, here at the farm. We didn't have any uh, damaging levels of floods, which was very good. And yeah, I had a quick story with uh, with the bull and him being here on the farm. So we used to have uh, two bulls. We sold one of them, and so we brought the one bull we had left kind of right back to a field right by our house we could keep an eye on him and and uh he's a few years old now so he's he's mostly mellowed out and all that he's he's not a rambunctious young buck anymore but all that said he's a bull so you got to keep got to keep eyes in the back of your head when you're around him um my wife and I were on a, on a walk one morning just the two of us and we decided to cut across the pasture he's in and he's like 100 yards away I'm I'm not worried about it but then as we're walking, we end up just making a turn where we end up getting closer to him. And it's this beautiful morning, you know, the sun's coming up and he's standing, he's just, you know, chewing cud, just standing there looking at us. And, um, we end up getting about maybe 50 feet from him and my wife stops to take a picture and I'm like, Hey, 
babe, let's keep walking. Because he kind of takes one step towards us. I'm like, babe, we got to keep moving. And we start walking away, and he turns and full-on charges towards both of us. <laughs> and my wife lets out a scream. And I'm like, run! And she runs one way. I run the other way. <laughs> and she's just screaming. And luckily, uh, Rudy the Bull chased after me. And so... I, I knew, like I said, I always have a, an escape plan with him when I'm close enough to him. Because, again, like, not 90 times out of 100, there's no problem. But there's 10 or so times you gotta keep you, yeah. you got to keep your wits about you. So I ran over to this tree that was really close by the cedar. between, And that cedar's about 10 feet off of the fence for the paddock he's in. And so I get behind the tree as he's charging towards me to put something between me and him <laughs> so I can find a stick. <laughs> so I can defend myself. And yeah. we get into a stare down because there's no stick near me. So I just keep stomping and going towards him and yelling, hey, trying to get him to back down. Oh, he he didn't paw, luckily, but he just stood there with his head down, just waiting. And the, the thing there is like with me and him, I'm always, I don't want him to think he's the dominant one. So mm. I, Jill's like, jump the fence, get out of there. I'm like, no, <laughs> I got to stay in here. I got to show him who's This who's could take boss. a while. Yeah. And, you know. A minute or so later, he finally lost interest and walked away. I was like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> then I jumped the fence. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, those are some fun updates. We, we're, we're really excited for this year for all the projects coming. And again, so excited to have y'all on the podcast today, especially because, well, I won't, I won't say too much, mm -hmm. actually. Daniel has a fun way to mm -hmm. introduce um, y'all's passion and, and business today. Yeah. Pat and Val, thank you so much for coming on. And Pat and Val are from Highland County. Yeah, what is it, two hours for you to get here? Close. Over a few mountain ranges. And what I wanted to do to introduce what their industry is, is just give you a few, a few breadcrumbs along the way. So see if you can guess what this intriguing industry is that they do as their passion and as their business. So this particular industry is food and food service. It would fall in that category. Okay, that's your first hint. It is a multi-billion dollar industry in North America. Okay, it's a fraction of that coming from Virginia. But it's a big, this is big business uh, implications as well. Another, another hint for you is that the cost of this item is 30 times uh, a, a the cost of a barrel of this item is 30 times that of a barrel of oil so uh, a a fine grade product okay can you guess what it is yeah can you guess <laughs> here's a, here's a few more if you haven't figured it out is there is only of all the products you can create with this this thing that we're talking about it comes from one ingredient and one ingredient only is a miracle of nature and God's creation. It is amazing. It really is liquid gold. And uh, if you haven't guessed already, what we're talking about is maple syrup. And it's what you all are really good at. We have some of the... I guess we should have moved these for a tip in the hand. But anyway, oh, yeah, that's you right. Really, if you're watching, you do. You're watching, you do. <laughs> um, but this is really exciting for us because... Um, we learn. We at Seasons Yield learn syrup in large part because of you all and my parents' visit to your farm at Back Creek. You've been so kind and generous with your knowledge and passing it on to my dad. 
and we're really excited about it. Maple syrup, just to patent, I'm, I'm treading outside my lane right here, but just a few other things that just make this a fascinating um, product is you have, you have a variety of maple trees. The, the ones that produce the sap with the most um, sugar content are the sugar maples, but you can make maple syrup from a variety of different maple trees. And a, a single maple tree can give around 20 gallons of sap, give or take, in a season. And it takes between 40 and 60 gallons of that sap to make a gallon of syrup. Um, it, this stuff is really precious. I know our sugar content is probably less than yours, but it takes 60, 61 gallons of sap mm. to make a gallon. Yeah. What's your, what's your ratio? It was about 50. When we started out at the first of the season, that's when you get all your good sweet water. And it was over 2%. Hmm. And in six weeks, that will go from 2% down to possibly 1%. Mm. Mm. Just takes uh, more as the season goes yes. on. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and we were almost up to 70 gallon there at the very end. Uh, it was... You know, light water and everything, but uh, we got to show the people how to make syrup. Yeah, I think one of the things that I would encourage you to do um, after listening to this is either go to Back Creek or find your closest syruper. It is a it is a fascinating process, a simple and really fascinating. But the sap, dirt when the sap is flowing, it's like you turned on a faucet for, on the tree, and this cold clear water-like sap comes out if you hold you hold up a cup of sap it's like a cup of water um, and it has a slight sweetness to it and all you do is remove moisture from it to make the syrup so you're increasing the sugar content um, taking water out of the product and that's how you derive the syrup but it's just a, such a cool thing that it comes from the trees and in our backyard buddy you got yeah. some Giant yeah, that's old something I, you guys all have made syrup. I was joking before the podcast. I'm just a master of eating the syrup. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it, but it, something I'm excited to just learn from you guys today is how I, my little, little bit of research and just knowing living in this area for over a decade now, uh, making syrup was something that almost everybody used to do. Like we've got, as you mentioned, two sugar maples in front of our house. And I've read that that was a really common thing to plant a few right in your yard. Mm -hmm. There used to be actually a little mm -hmm. um, like smokehouse sugar shack behind our house mm -hmm. be long before we moved here. But in old pictures, you can see it because that was a thing of the norm, kind of like how people used to always, you know, salt pork and, and cure pork for, uh, for over the winter. So anyway, I, I think it's a really cool part of Virginia's history because when you think maple syrup you think of canada or vermont or whatever um and that is where most mm -hmm. of the syrup currently comes from but it is really cool in the world but it's really cool to think this is this sort of maybe to some people unknown beautiful industry that is in a really cool place right now too where i think it's on the verge of uh growing a lot which mm -hmm. is which is exciting is so yeah oh, go ahead dan i was just gonna say I've i've been talking outside of my lane you all are the experts but is it true that um, your family, Pat, has been doing this since 1838? Is that is that part of your history? What does it say on that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that it? 
Oh, yeah, well, it's in we, the name. <laughs> yeah, we can trace it back conveniently that far. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad didn't start making there at where we lived until I was about six, seven years old. And we just had a little lean-to, and we did it in uh, uh, kettles, iron kettles. Mm-hmm. And I can remember my sister and I sitting in there. Daddy had a little seat, and we could sit inside that little lean-to. And now we used, Daddy used old rails and stuff to to bank the fires up. And you sat there and watched to make sure that it didn't go anywhere, uh, which it never did. But it will boil over after it gets to a certain stage, and too much fire will make a mess mm-hmm. uh so but like is but you you started when you were six or seven it's yeah. been a part of your for entire yeah. life yeah. yeah and then when my grandfather lowry who lived up the road he had he wasn't doing it anymore and he gave my dad some more buckets and when he gave him some more buckets that that was one of the things that we didn't have containers. We didn't have buckets back then. We, if you got a gallon uh, of from the school, if you got a mm-hmm. gallon can, you, you knocked a couple of holes in it, put a wire on it, and hung it over under a spout. Mm-hmm. And then when he got those extra buckets, then we tapped more trees. And I can remember on a good day, maybe getting sixty gallon of water. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and that was a lot back from then. From one tree? No, no, no. From the ones that we had right, oh, right there. right around the house. Yeah. Right around there. So, yeah, and then uh, as we got along uh, later on, we, Daddy built a old sugar house. That's when we got the pan, the pan from my great-grandmother's farm, which was across one mountain and one mile off of the road. And they um, they depended on the maple to have their sugar and you know their sweeteners and stuff like that. It was a necessity mm-hmm. at that time. Oh, that's. Did you still use that pan? Uh we still use it even today. Hmm. Uh, in 1962, my grandmother and her husband and great grandmother moved to Monterey. And when she moved to Monterey, she gave the pan to my dad. Hmm. And then that's when uh, we found some old lumber somewhere and put up this little shack. And uh, uh, he used a car frame or something to set the sugar pan on to begin with and then we would mud around it you know and oh yeah we was top notch then (laughs) you could throw a whole rail under that baby then Uh, but uh, yeah then we would uh, boil for a day or so and then take off two or three gallons Mm -hmm. uh, that was the beginning of it so so the pan is english tin and it's conservatively 150 years old. It's from before the Civil War. Whoa. Um, and it does not have a hole in it. And <laughs> so we do still use it for boiling. <laughs> and it's wonderful because we also have a small evaporator, which we don't like to use. But anyway, um, but 
people can come to our sugar house and see both methods of oh. making syrup. What's the other method? Well, with the evaporator, which is much more oh, efficient. Uh -huh. um, but both of ours, both the evaporator and our open pan, are still both wood-fired. So um, all the modern mm. equipment is mm -hmm. oil-fired, but we're both, we oh, use cool. wood. So. When I was, so I was an intern at Polyface Farm in Swope, outside of Stanton, and um, that was the first time I ever saw maple syrup being made. They just had a stainless steel. It's about the size of this table here. Mm -hmm. Maybe not quite mm -hmm. this big, but about the size of this table. About 8, 10 inches high on the side. It's a big rectangle stainless steel thing, and we would put cinder blocks around it and build a fire and then just put embers under it. Uh -huh. And it was one of those things like, during the day, you'd just walk by and, you know, because there's people all the time there. So you'd walk by and make sure the fire was going right. And and one Plenty guy of was in charge of, of, of making sure. He it. was the, yeah, he was the stoker, but you'd always kind of keep an eye on it. And they just did it more as you're describing, Pat. Like, at, at least when I was there, it was buckets and you'd just bring, you know, five gallon buckets down and dump them in. Mm -hmm. Well, that was my first introduction to it. Maybe is that similar to the pan method you're talking about? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just it's a slightly larger pan than that. Mm -hmm. but, um, Val, what? How did you get into the? Are you from Highland County? How did no. you get into the syrup <laughs> industry with, with Pat? I was yes. going to say you don't sound like you're from Highland County. <laughs> no, but from a, a Maple State. I'm from Wisconsin originally. Oh, okay. So, but was never involved with it mm -hmm. up there at all. Um, so when we started dating, um, it was in the early spring and we went to the sugar house. And if you've ever been in a sugar house when syrup is boiling, mm. the smell mm. is what I imagine heaven smells like yeah. because the smell is just unbelievable. Yeah. Plus um, you, your wood gets smoked inside. Yeah. Mm. And this was like not the sugar house Pat's been talking about, but because that one got washed away in the flood. Mm. But then we, he mm. had another one after that, but it was behind our house. And um, anyway, that one didn't have electricity, has a mud floor and um, gravel. No, no gravel, excuse <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> no running water except for the water from a spring. <laughs> so you oh, just, it was just awesome. cold. Um, but, and it was like across this muddy field from our house, so at night, but this was kind of, it was very romantic because at night, after we got married, and walked back to the house, and um, it, it just, you know, it's just nothing but you and the stars. And then we never took a flashlight or anything, we just walked across this field and, you know, went home from there. So, that's anyway, so cool. um, yeah, so that's where we started. So the syrup steam reeled you right in. It did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Pat knew what he was doing. To to this maple syrup thing, yeah. Pat. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would usually stay over until ten o'clock at night, and then I would fill the pan up with water, put sugar all water. sugar water, mm -hmm. and then bank it up, and then I'd wake up at two o'clock, and then I'd go over and do the same thing, and then at six o'clock, that was my. Shift. Start shifts yeah. mm -hmm. to keep it going. Like you said, that one guy was the fire for the polyface, yeah. and that's basically you could go out and do other things while it was boiling. Mm -hmm. An evaporator, you have to stay right there with that yeah. thing, mm -hmm. and sometimes scares and, you to death. Well, and mm -hmm. now the way we work is I just stay at the sugar house and boil all day, so I can keep chucking wood under there, and I just keep it boiling all day. Um, so that we have a pan of syrup to take off in mm. the evening when Pat yeah, comes Yeah, we, we generally so. do a 24-hour 
period. Yeah. yeah. Can you uh, can you describe to the listeners who are not familiar the rhythms of this sap season? This is not a year round. Oh no. This is very concentrated. Can you explain yeah. that and then kind of what your yeah what your flow looks like yearly? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's really intriguing. You want me to do that? Or? Yeah. Go okay. ahead. So our syrup season is about ready to begin here. Some people are already tapping in Highland County. Yeah, (laughs) it has to be above freezing during the day and below freezing at night for the trees to run. And basically what they're doing is they're sending the tree's lifeblood up to the branches so that they can bud out and make leaves in the spring. And a lot of times people will say, oh, do you think there's going to be a syrup season this year? And my response is, do you think the trees are going to get leaves? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because if they are, um, yeah, we will have a syrup season, you know, of some sort. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's a certain time of year. For us, it's between January and March. And then March being kind of the end of the season is when our maple festival is. And usually shortly after that, we quit boiling. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the process like during the day is the way we do it because we don't own a giant sugar bush. We just have a few trees around the sugar house we have now. And, but then we've always tapped on other farms on Back Creek, which is why we call it Back Creek Farms oh, with cool. an S. Yeah. Um, and then we have some other sugar bushes that we open. So, um, yeah. So Pat will go out and collect the water in large tanks. Now we use a lot of tubing. We do still use some buckets, but a lot of tubing. Um, and then he'll bring it back to the sugar house. We do have a small reverse osmosis machine to start taking some of that water out because Daniel, as you said, it's a simple process, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there are a lot of points at which things can go wrong. Um, so anyway, so we'll run it through the reverse osmosis. We usually take ours to about 10% sugar content, eight major to eight to 10, major producers b- go between 20 and 30% and then start boiling because it uses so much less fuel. Mm-hmm. We prefer the taste that we get from keeping, holding that back. Um, And then we'll boil. Um, So then when we're using the open pan, what we do is we'll boil it all day. And then in the evening, we'll like cut off the flow to it so that what's in there just boils down. And then um, we'll have between 12 and 20 gallons of maple syrup in that large pan. So then Pat and I will lift that off. And then I pick up one end and he drains it out the other or takes scoops it out at the yeah. other end and then we filter it put it in large containers and then we bottle it at some other time because usually during that part of maple season we're too busy too to busy, bottle right. yeah how do you store it until you're ready to bottle stainless steel barrels and food grade totes mm-hmm. yeah um we have some plastic have, totes that yeah. are made for hot liquid to go in them. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not something you go get at Walmart. (laughs) 15-gallon stainless steel kegs work great because Valerie and I both can still handle one of those. I was thinking of those big, we have those, you know, 250-gallon cubes that we use on the farm for water, but we Mm -hmm. get them from, like, 
the little Debbie's plant, you know, their yeah. food grade. Right. Yeah. But, um, but that they, we've used those for You got to use those. You got to have a tractor, you know, you get a front end loader to be able to move those around. We use those for our sugar water and stuff. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. 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 That's so, what we use as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, tell him how we know when it's time to stop. They can make the syrup. Oh, so in the spring, um, well, at, over the course of the season, the maple syrup will change. It will go from a really light, just sweet syrup and then it in the middle of the season it'll have a nice medium amber to it and have a good good mapley flavor and then at the end of the season it'll turn really dark Mm -hmm. which used to be called grade b now it's called very dark strong flavor which describes it pretty well favorite yeah Yeah. and it has kind of a molassesy flavor to it better for baking with um Better for baking with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Daniel. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but then, um, and those last pans of syrup start to smell different. Mm-hmm. But our key to when to stop is the peep frogs. And we have. Oh, yep, the peepers. Peep frogs. Yeah, yeah, we call them spring peepers. Spring peepers, <laughs> right. And the peepers will come up and we'll hear them. And then it'll get cold again. They'll go back down and they'll come up again. Well, the third time the peepers come up, mm. we just go pull all the spiles because at that point it's too buddy to mm-hmm. make syrup. Yeah, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll watch the buds also mm-hmm. on the trees, yeah. Yeah. and you can tell just by the buds swelling, buddy syrup does not taste good, mm-hmm. yeah. gotcha. uh, and that can really ruin something real quick. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, do you some, mix all the various like throughout the season? Will you take a a mixture of all three when you bottle or do you mm. do them by like this is an early uh you know vintage i guess it would be yeah. early season this is mid-season prime and this is end of season very dark we kind of keep them separate because the early season syrup the really light is what pat uses to make maple candy uh, okay. um so and but and we also because of boiling in the open pan and boiling longer we don't make a lot of really light syrup Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of our candy syrup. Mid-year is what we sell. And then the grade B, um, actually, we have quite a market for mm-hmm. our grade B um, because it has a, it definitely has a clientele. It's distinct, yeah. 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 That's, and I'm curious, do you use the wood because of the, the tradition and old ways of it? Or is it a flavor thing, too? Or what are the reasons for wood versus oil? Because I'm sure... Like with the baking ovens, Daniel, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's much easier to use your gas-fired ovens, and I know you have both, versus mm-hmm. your wood-fired oven. Mm-hmm. What's the but, benefits there? Well, now, our open pan, it's not completely sealed. So, yes, it gets a little bit of smoke in it, mm-hmm. and people, mm-hmm. we have found, likes that little bit of smoke flavor, mm-hmm. and we think that that comes from the wood and it's just a traditional thing, wood. Uh, and all our neighbors bring us their old fences. So <laughs> yeah, we probably, it's easy. It's like we yeah. burn them. <laughs> the fence posts come, and you know, a guy just dropped off a big load of locust fence mm-hmm. posts oh, the nice. other day. So that's uh, that's, good that's what you. we use for that. Uh, yeah, that's something about the industry that fascinated me, you know, as, as a passion of mine is sustainable agriculture or regenerative ag. And I do that with beef cattle and other mm-hmm. livestock. But maple syrup is another one of those things because you're really, you're, you have to keep good stands of timber with good, healthy trees. And you're, you're not exactly. killing the trees by taking the sap. Correct. And you're burning 
usually, you know, you're not cutting down nice trees that could be you pick them part up. of your sugar bush. Yeah, you're picking them up to burn. So it just seems like a really beautiful, the whole mm-hmm. system is very It's very enticing. perennial. Yeah, perennial. it's really yeah. cool. And I can imagine as a business with setting certain things up, like getting neighbors to bring you firewood, that's got to be huge because mm-hmm. that would otherwise be a big the cost big costs, and yeah. time yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. portion of things. So it, there's a lot of things about it that are really fascinating to me from that regenerative yeah. ag mm-hmm. side. Yeah, too. Um, lower fork sapsuckers, who's up on top of the Allegheny, they're the highest elevated sugar house on my creek. Uh, he's into forest management and he has some beautiful places up there. Yeah. Um, we eat so much maple candy. I'll just make it in the pan at night and we'll put a whole, no less than a quart of it in the, and with five children and me, we can tear through some candy. We'll just pour it out on the parchment. Yeah. I think I brought you some. Remember oh, it, Cafe? It's amazing. It is my favorite treat in all the world. I can't believe it. So to hear you talk about this infused maple cream and candy. And it's fascinating, too. Again, just on my... I had to do research (laughs) because of how little I know about maple syrup. (laughs) But there, it's actually, like, versus a sugar-based candy, there are... There are... um, I mean, it's still... Obviously, maple still has the sugar content, but the syrup has other things in it that are good for you versus yes. like a lollipop made out of yes. sugar or corn syrup that it's doesn't have with other... more mineral and nutrients than honey. Yes. I mean, it's fascinating. Antioxidants. Yes. Antioxidants. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Vitamins, all this come stuff. Come on. Yeah, and it's it crazy. metabolizes slower. So actually, if you are diabetic, it's like the best mm. sweet that you can put in your body because uh, it metabolizes slower. Mm-hmm. Um can I just say something? Okay, yes. so we've been talking about syrup, but my favorite Bible verse is taste and see that the mm. Lord is good. I see where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been waiting for Which this. Which is Psalm yeah. 34, 8. And <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so i just like for you all to taste. And, and when we do this tasting, it'll also lead into some of what makes Back Creek Farms different from cool. other producers, too. So. Sounds great. All right, let's okay. do it. <laughs> Do you mind if we keep chatting while you uh, dish up? Awesome. All right. So first, this is our pure maple syrup. You're spilling that stuff on me. I'm sure it wouldn't be the first There we go. No. No. It's a daily occurrence. I had a cool jar bust on me one time. I think what Buddy was talking about, the the wood versus all the conventional new methods, Something that I've tasted in your syrup and I love to promote about our syrup is because you're not using the most efficient means to make it, the flavor is so much more complex because it takes longer to make it. That's where the flavor of the syrup comes from is mm-hmm. the longer you boil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the distinctive of the, the wood. You can taste that smoke. Can you yeah. not taste that smoke? <laughs> just a just a and just a faintest little bit yep. too. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's not like a peaty scotch or something. Mm. It's just a little bit of it. Oh, that so is exceptional. Good. Okay. Well, that is then, wish, they, wish people could also. You guys all need to go to Back Creek. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so then, like I said, uh, we've um, and Pat's been making syrup his entire life. We've been doing it together since 2000. Um, so then Pat started doing other things, and the first other thing really was the hickory syrup. Um, and when he did that, we realized oh, there's mm. a market for different things. Syrup from hickory trees. 
Well, actually, it's from the bark of a hickory tree. Wow. It's not the same process, mm. um, but I don't want to go there right now. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> we, so I also brought with us, this is, so then we got into infusing syrup mm. via barrel aging. But anyway, let me let you taste. This is our chili pepper infused syrup. Oh, wow. And Were you, people, go ahead. Did the motivation to do these things come from a business perspective or more of an no, interest perspective? <laughs> yeah. People um. <laughs> kept asking us every year at Maple Festival, what you got that's new? Yeah. Nobody oh. had anything that was oh, new. Oh, wow. Yeah, it hits. It takes a couple. It's seconds all syrup. Then. then you swallow it, and it's it's a little bit of heat so there. That right is now. awesome on like a fried chicken. That yeah. would be really yes. good. Yeah. See the thing. Chicken and waffles, roasted yeah. vegetables, and grits. It's fantastic oh, on grits. Mm. So so good. Anyway, what you want to in these infusions and stuff? A lot. Some of them took a good while. Some of them didn't. But you never want to kill the maple yeah. flavor. You yeah. always want to get your maple flavor first, and then whatever the it's infused with no, will be secondhand or thirdhand. Can you tell us how you infuse these? Like, no, do you put chilies in? There? I'd oh, have okay. to kill you if I did. they all have different recipes. <laughs> Actually, chili does not have a chili pepper in it. Normally, oh, we put the a chili Oh, yeah. That, this that is vanilla cinnamon pepper. that this they're you could tasting just now. Eat straight up as a dessert like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That is. <laughs> yeah. So pour that over some ice cream. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ice cream. So, anyway, we and we kind of got into the infusions via this one I'm going to give you last, which is our bourbon barrel age. Mm. Um, because, unbeknownst to me, Pat put some maple syrup in a small bourbon barrel that we had gotten come on pat come no. on. I like your thinking oh, and no. combining your favorite things over there <laughs> i walked into the sugar house and i said what are you doing because the whole thing smelled like, like bourbon. bourbon yeah yes. oh yeah give him so, enough he can taste there you go oh my <laughs> oh this one i can smell a little bit of yeah the, oh, yeah you can, can i have a little bit more of that one <laughs> wow there oh, is yeah, so much flavor in there that's so good <laughs> Yeah, because I've never had anything. All of them are ones I can envision. Like Jill was saying before we started recording, she did a tasting, mm -hmm. and she was like, "In the best way, I my brain doesn't believe it because I haven't tasted something mm. like this before. It doesn't feel real or something. This one especially, I've never had anything like this, wow. and it's good. Wow, so wow. good. French yeah. toast. Like, that on French toast is absolutely to die for. Or with bread can you, pudding. Or can you do a mixed drink with this? Say, oh, you can yeah. can you tell us about your mixed drink of choice? Yeah, uh, yeah. it's uh, one shot of your best bourbon, preferably homemade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> two shots of the bourbon syrup and mm. crushed ice and put it in a shaker and shake it up and enjoy it. Man. So really good. simple. Exceptional. Yeah, thank so, you for bringing those to taste. Sure. That is... That's yeah. the, that's, I think one of the things that excites me from a, as I think about it from a business perspective, it is such a differentiate. If you put that next to any other, you know, grocery store syrup, I mean blind taste test, you know, there's no way any one of those wouldn't blow mm -hmm. it out of the water, mm -hmm. and it's because of all that depth of flavor. You know, I'm used to. I frankly don't really like syrup because i'm thinking of the grocery store syrup mm -hmm. but these i could eat straight up they're so good <laughs> yeah it's with, with such a exceptional product and with where you're located can you describe some of the 
challenges marketing wise and sure. what um, what what keeps this from blowing up you know is it is it the amount that you're able to produce is it the distribution distribution or getting people or, aware of it or well okay so our oh mike biggest biggest benefit is um the highland county maple festival mm-hmm. what and, is that well okay that the maple festival takes place for uh two weekends every march the second and third weekends in march and it's the biggest economic benefit to highland county for mm. the entire year it's mm. like every civic organization has their money maker then um there's uh, there's the maple donuts and the pork rinds and i mean just all the mm-hmm. things that go along with maple festival and everybody has their kind of niche for that um and then all the, then there's a tour of the sugar camps which is not organized it's like you have to drive to them individually mm-hmm. um oh, that's cool but anyway so what happened was we pat when i first met pat he was shared a booth on the courthouse lawn with another friend. And um, then over time, as the two of us worked together on it, and we built this, like, finally it was like, Pat, we got to have our own booth. So we had our own little 10 by 10 booth. Um, because where, where Back Creek is, it's like way far out. Mm-hmm. So we thought we could never be on the sugar tour. Well, then mm. um, over time, we kept adding products and syrup and we were also the first ones to ever give tastings of our syrup mm-hmm. and oh, wow. that was huge and we would because since vermont has better marketing mm-hmm. um and they have talked people into vermont fancy syrup we would have people come into our booth and say oh we want some of that vermont fancy which is the really light uh. syrup and I'm, i just kept thinking well, maybe you do, but I don't think so. Yeah. You so, only knew. Yeah. <laughs> try, try this. Yeah, so, so I lined up the th- kind of three grades of syrup, light, medium, and dark, and I would let people try them. And if they still wanted light, I would say, well, there's another producer right down the street who makes really light syrup. Go get his. And, but most people hmm. would decide they wanted a darker grade of syrup, and so they would stay and buy ours. And um, so anyway, we did the three grades. So then when Pat came up with hickory syrup, we let people taste that. And suddenly I felt kind of like a confessor in <laughs> Highland <laughs> County because all these people from Highland County would say, I hate to say this, I've lived here my whole life and I don't like maple syrup, but they loved the hickory syrup. Mm-hmm. And the second year that we had the hickory, um, which I'm sorry I didn't bring a sample of, oh, yes. but anyway, um, the, the second year we had the hickory, it was 30% of our sales. And mm-hmm. so I wow. thought, yeah, people want something different. Interesting. So then the following year was the year of the barrel experiment. Mm. Um, the bourbon barrel. The bourbon barrel. Uh, and um, yeah. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. And so we tried that, and um, that was kind of the maple festival that was crazy because everybody was actually everything worked perfectly because my daughter. Um, is a graphic designer, so she does okay. our labels and things for us. Yeah, your branding's awesome. And mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, and she happened to be at the sugar house or at the, our cabin that we have too when um, we came up with the bourbon. And I said, I've, I need a label. So anyway, she was there. She did a label. We just printed some off on the printer, and Love but that. it's basically stayed the same. Um, anyway, so we had the label, and I had these 
this particular container, which we hadn't used for anything else. We put them out there and people were stopping Pat's pickup on the street saying, hey, save me some of that. Pat. Yeah. <laughs> One guy come by says, I'll give you $30 for a bottle of that. I said, I don't have any. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just had this one wow. little, at the time, they were like six-gallon barrels. Yeah, I mean, were, it was a little side yeah, experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, so it, then, uh, they just flew out of there. They flew out of there. The second weekend of Maple Festival, I'm sitting on the courthouse lawn, Pat got the flu. He's home sick. And I am sitting there with no barrel age syrup to sell and everybody coming by and asking for it. And I'm thinking, I got to get to Richmond and get some more barrels. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so then while we were waiting for the barrels to age, we were like, well, what else can we do with the syrup? And that's how we got into the infusions and things and started mm-hmm. trying different infusions. And to be honest, I mean, that's really when our business took off was mm-hmm. getting into that because like Pat said, people um, are always saying, hey, what do you have that's new? Mm-hmm. You know, what's different this year? So we keep yeah. trying to come up with new I think I, as I think about it more, the I think the cocktail mixer thing or the coffee mixer thing mm. is probably a huge niche market that, I mean, the, yeah, that like you guys make a maple syrup latte that's amazing mm-hmm. uh-huh. with mm-hmm. y'all's maple syrup at uh-huh. the cafe. Yes. I, yeah, that I can see how that would really pique people's interest. We make a coffee amaretta infused syrup. Oh, oh man. <laughs> That, yeah, so good. I love yeah. that this speaks to many different types of businesses, but I can speak to it as well. Where you have your tried and true, uh-huh. but what people are so intrigued and just come come out of the woodwork for the new product. It's right. such a good reminder in yes. the business entrepreneur world to always be brainstorming the the new thing, the new yes. offering, just to entice your the customers even more so. But I. That holds for maple, for bread, you know, yeah, for I think any, any small business, that yeah. differentiator. Yes. And I say small business, I mean, even... Big business, too, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. yeah, figuring out how you're going to really yeah. stand out amongst mm-hmm. all these other... Right. Have you noticed your... barrel aging is definitely the majority of our business. Have you noticed your, uh, your friends in Back Creek, have they taken note of this and... Highland County? Yes. Oh, yeah. People doing the same? We have a lot of imitators. (laughs) But there's only one. But there's only one. But I got to tell you this story. Uh, When we were so excited about the infusions when we first started making them, I asked some of the other sugar makers, I said, uh, would you like me to show you how to do this? Or Their answers were, I'm not ruining my syrup. Oh wow! And I said, yeah. "Okay, Purists. you want to you want to <laughs> walk to that bank up there and give them six dollars for an eight ouncer, or do you want to sell it to them for it was eighteen at that time, or sell it for eighteen dollars for the same amount of syrup?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get makes that sense. deer in the headlight yeah. look, and mm-hmm. yeah. then I'd walk off. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway, we tried, we offered, yeah, and, uh, but most of them. It's been a few years since they started. Right. They're, doing they're like, you know what? Maybe uh, we will do this. <laughs> and oh. and I, I won't give my recipes out. Yeah. Uh, there's only one person that does it, and they're so far away that it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. So. so, and then we started doing our little sampler sets because That's we'd smart. have all these different infusions, and people would say, "Oh, I don't want to buy. You know, I can't buy all 
these things. So we started doing our sampler sets. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing, I think, a few things that make us unique as a mm -hmm. business. And then, like we said, we keep coming up with too many ideas. So <laughs> Love that. Can you and speak as much or as little on this as you wish, but can you speak to the, the financials of your business right now and how is it your main source of income? Is it a, a side project? Um, is it something that can put food on your table for the entire year, being that the season is so short? Can you speak to some of those particulars mm -hmm. for the audience? Actually, the way we do our business now, um, I heard this phrase one time called nice living for owner, NLFO. And that's basically what it is. I mean, we can't afford to hire a lot of people, but it can be a good living for a family. And especially since it's a farm and at this point there's still tax breaks for farms mm -hmm. and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, from that standpoint, I think that's... Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating, thing. as I was hearing you talk through the season, um, you know, you... I'm sure you're doing stuff during the summertime, you know, maintaining lots yes. of things. But I imagine it's sort of like me right now in the winter to some extent where it's flip-flopped, where there's a little bit of, you know, the rush isn't on, so to speak, versus in-season when you're collecting sap right. and the rush is really right. on. So we, there's a little bit of seasonality to it, right? The only, se only seasonality is if I'm going to have to have an operation, we <laughs> always do it after we get all the the sugar making stuff cleaned up mm -hmm. then i go and get operated on get a new get hip get a new shoulder get a <laughs> yeah. whatever Bionic man. and then that is our off season mm -hmm. and, his off season yeah that's about the only off season we well, get because now we do wholesale uh, we kind of have uh -huh. a route between highland county and um Richmond, because oh, my daughter cool. lives in Richmond, mm -hmm. so we do um, Charlottesville and um, and Richmond. And so, cool. are you having trouble being a relative term moving your product, or is there are there different outlets you need, or no. what does it look like to scale up? I have trouble saying no to people that we can't supply. Fulfill their order, mm. and basically we pick and choose who we supply at this point. Um, because I don't want to like saturate the market in a particular area. I, I want our wholesalers to feel like they're getting a premium product too. Mm -hmm. And like I said, and not saturate the market. Mm -hmm. um, so basically our, what we do at this point is we do Maple Festival, which is obviously a huge income boost in the spring. And then um, over the summer, it's mainly supplying our wholesalers. Mm -hmm. And then in the fall, we do um, two shows, one uh, Dayton Days mm -hmm. up in Dayton, Virginia, oh, yeah. and then which is just a one-day show, but we have quite a fan club there, so it's yeah. great. Um, and then we do a three-day show down in Richmond um, the beginning of November, um, which is huge. Um, but we just do those shows, and it figure at this point that's really all we need to do and the other thing that makes that feasible is um 
COVID was so good to us. <laughs> yeah. People said, we need to find out where this food's coming from. It, well, that was about it. Um, yeah. and, well, or a lot of the people that had visited us on the courthouse lawn, but never been able to see our operation. So the year of COVID, obviously everything shut down. There was no Maple Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next year, they shut down Maple Festival again. Mm. And I felt like we could safely be open. Mm-hmm. And so we and all the other sugar makers in Highland County were open mm. those two weekends. And so many people said, thank you for being open. So it's, basically the sugar tour still happened. St- still yeah. happened. Now, everybody else was already on the map. We were mm-hmm. not on the map. So the oh. only advertising we had was what I did on social media, basically. Mm-hmm. But we had over 1,000 people come. Oh, whoa. So, and they all said, thank you for being open. It's so nice to see your farm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we had... And a, they all bought a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Um, and... So anyway, oh, and the other thing that COVID did was our online sales exploded mm. after that. So we do a lot of selling online too, and I can help you with some mm-hmm. online tips. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I love for that. shipping nationwide. Um, so anyway, those two things, and then so then after that first year's experience, we decided to stay open there at the farm. We have a small shop there. And so anyway, that's like fully stocked with all our products. And we're sort of open year round for anyone to stop by. Um, Especially we, we recommend calling first. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so that's taken the pressure off of doing shows and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's why we just do those. But if someone were interested in this business, because we are kind of aging out of it at this point, um, doing more shows would definitely be a possibility. And, oh, yeah. You know, we, we know there's the market. Yeah. And, and also, after we do a show somewhere, our, where there's definitely an uptick in our online sales after that. Mm-hmm. So so you're, the production of all the sugar bushes you have right now isn't the limiting factor? It's more... Or what is that, would you say? In ter- or is it more your level of contentment with where the business is it's at? It's our in terms level of, of contentment. Yeah. Yeah. But where you are, you do have enough uh, sugar water that you could, if you, if one wanted to, you could produce more syrup if you wanted to. <coughs> yes, you yes, could. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. It's, I look at some of the places where there are more sugar bushes and, yeah. you know, what in 20 years ago was not a reality could be now yeah. because of the tubing and mm-hmm. all, yes. yeah. uh-huh. all well, that stuff, so... That's, they've that's done a study in West Virginia. There are actually more sugar trees in West Virginia than there are in Vermont. Mm. Whoa. Um, but the problem is access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, mm-hmm. you know, it's the accessibility that's the mm-hmm. can, can be a limiting thing. Yeah, Vermont's generally more developed, I guess. So there's more better marketing. roads. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah. Was ta- you was talking about your big sugar trees at your house. Yes, yeah. The bigger the canopy, the sweeter the water. Yes. Interesting. Mm. And they have a lot of red maples up north. Mm. And they grow up like a light pole, and then they have a poof mm. in the top mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, ours look like they're, they're the two in our front yard. I'll have to show you before you guys head out. Are like huge, look we, like an oak tree. It's a big round, and they're probably two and a half feet at the mm-hmm. base. I mean, they're big old trees. I had a tree guy out to ask if there's anything I can do to sort of sustain them because I know they're getting just generally towards the end of a life cycle as a sugar maple. 
and he was like, wait, they, uh, you know, they only live, you know, usually a hundred or so years. Oh, oh. He's like, so he said, I don't know if there's much you can do. So yeah, what do you think? Could I make it? Could I help well, him along? We'll, we'll Tell take him. a look. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell him about the ones that we give me. Oh, we have some sugar trees that we open um, that are, it would, if people joined hands, they would easily be like five people around. Oh my goodness. They are gorgeous trees. And these are farm trees. Yeah. They, they have the big canopy. That's what yeah, I call those. Out the in the ones, field. Yeah. Out in the field trees. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, they, they pulled the sunlight in those leaves and uh, supposedly makes sweet. Yeah, more energy, yeah, it's more healthier energy. tree, yeah. more sugar, <laughs> yeah. it makes mm-hmm. sense. Just had to throw that in. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's no, great. That's fascinating. So you're you are looking to. There's no one in your family that you would pass this to. You're you're specifically looking to at this point to hand the reins off. What type of person or people does it would it require to run this operation? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, and the answer to the first part is n- no. I mean, between the two of us, we have three daughters none of whom are interested or have the capability to mm-hmm. um, take over what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, what it would require is someone who's interested in leading a farming type of lifestyle, um, a lot of physical labor, mm-hmm. um, but very independent, I guess you could say. Um, where we live is rather isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, it would like tend toward the homeschooling type individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can definitely support a family type operation. Um, and we're just basically getting too old to handle the amount of physical labor for all the ideas we keep thinking of. Yeah, and all and, the demand that seems to be there. And kind of yeah, what we've cool. thought about is what we would like to do is work with someone and mm. over the course of about four years, teach them what we do, mentor, mentor mm-hmm. them, um, help them, you know, with the business and things like that. So. Sounds awesome. Where you all live, I've actually only been through Highland County a couple of times, but they call it the uh, Switzerland of Virginia. Mm. And as a cattle farmer, everybody in, in the Shenandoah Valley, they lust after the higher pastures of Highland County, especially come summertime. That's where at least all the guys I know around here that have big cattle herds, most of them have a few places in Highland County that they like to send their cows because mm-hmm. there's grasses that grow there that really don't grow other places in mm-hmm. the state. And it's just a special it's a special part of Virginia. It is remote, to your point. But it is unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that hardly any of the farmers had to start feeding real early because of the drought. But it was amazing. Yeah, that's the dews not would be here. so heavy. <laughs> the dews would be so heavy on that grass. I guess that it was enough moisture to keep it going. And mm-hmm. with the altitude, I mm-hmm. imagine. With the altitude, yeah. 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 yeah, I saw a figure. Highland County is the is either the highest or one of the highest altitude on average altitude counties east of the mississippi yes. mm-hmm. with the lowest population That's density right. 2200 as well. yeah for both yeah for <laughs> the both. altitude yeah. and the population highest altitude and the highest lo- <laughs> or the lowest population density yeah, yeah. pretty impressive yeah. all right buddy let's move into the lightning round to close this out do you want to go first with your sure i think this first one 
Hopefully you can keep this lightning round style with the short answer, but it's something uh, we think a lot about in our businesses. Um, can you describe, and I'm fascinated to hear your answer, being in Highland County with the least populated county in Virginia. Um, can you describe the importance of community to your business? It's everything, actually, because without the Maple Festival, no one who makes maple syrup in Highland County would have a business, hmm. first of all, because they do so much advertising for us. And still, when we go to Richmond, one of the main things we hear is, I didn't know syrup was made in Virginia. Hmm. Um, so still getting that word out is important. Hmm. But the the role that maple syrup plays for the community of Highland County is everything, too. It's like that is kind of the county's lifeblood as far as drawing tourists. Actually, we know of six couples who have moved to Highland County because of staying at our Airbnb or at our uh, vacation rental. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's very important because the tourist industry is everything. So, That's great. Um, I'm curious, you and you were longer in the tooth than Buddy and I as far as doing a business with your spouse, do you have any keys for success on that front? How to maintain a healthy marriage while being in business together? You see, two things. Yes, ma'am, and you're right. <laughs> hey, it's working Enough so said. far. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you just turn and walk away. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. That's great. Uh. That is good. I wanna I wanna stay in it sometimes and make make it known how right I am. Yeah. I'll remember uh, that one. Oh, she'll tell me if I'm right. Yeah, but this, she'll tell me if I'm wrong too. Yeah. Feedback. Thank you for yeah. the feedback. Yeah. Uh, this is one I always ask our guests. What's your favorite footwear when you're working in the sugar bush or the muck sugar shack? boots? Muck boots. Mm. Love it. Muck Boots, if you're listening, just again, we uh, would love to yes. be sponsored by Muck Boots. For the seventh time. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I like Muck Shoes because if I'm in, like while we're boiling and I'm in the sugar house, the boots are too, like too much, but mm. the Muck Shoes keep my feet warm. Yeah, the lower cut. Yeah. yeah. I, I Actually, like I just took a pair off this morning and put these on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've been known to put duct tape on the bottom of my Muck Shoes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Last one for me. We, we often ask the question, what is enough? And it can be interpreted, answered a number of different ways. But I think the, the intrigue for us as we're young in our business is, you know, you're seeking profit. You're seeking this, this stability on the family level and how to do the business well within those things. So I'd ask you, you know, looking back or where you're at now, what is enough for you all? What is enough? I would say we have enough. Um, we're very, I, in, a, in a kind of a funny way, I would say content with what we have. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're always like, hey, this needs to be done. That needs to be done. So it's not, con so enough isn't like just sitting back and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we have enough. And we're very blessed with what God has given us over mm -hmm. time. Um, especially like the phases that our business has gone through. I feel like we've been blessed with 
what we needed at just the right time. He has led us through every level yes. of yeah. the, the business. Yeah. And I can see it. I mean, I, yeah. we have people come up to our sugar house and they'll ask us this question. Say, what is that feel around here? Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. You know and what it is? God, he is yes. right there it's, with you. Yeah. Oh. There's definitely his presence there. So. Yeah. And I think satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the old phase goes, or old phrase goes, is enough's enough. Enough's <laughs> <laughs> enough. Yeah. That's oh. cool. Or my, as my mother would say, that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thank you both for joining us um, on the podcast today. I really learned a lot from you guys about maple syrup. And frankly, I didn't realize the, as we started talking about the infused syrups and just the business potential uh, upside of it, we briefly talked about the sustainable ag piece of it, that it really, there's a very interesting inflection point that maple syrup as an industry is at in Virginia. And um, like you said, a lot of people don't even realize Mm -hmm. great maple syrup comes from right here in the Commonwealth. So Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming on and highlighting that and uh, teaching me about it. And I hope people listening really enjoyed getting to learn about it more and will come and check out Bat Creek and what you guys are doing. And anyone interested in a great agribusiness is welcome <laughs> to talk to us about yeah, it. Yeah, reach out, email <laughs> us at the baker and the farmer or go to the Bat Creek website and shoot them an email. Yeah, nothing would make us more happy than if that came from the podcast. That would be really rich, can, yes. just can, making that connection. So, And we'll pray in that regard for you all thank you but thank you so much for coming thank you for your time thank you for inspiring us i want to want to recommit to mapling and yeah uh, i think i'm going to be tapping some trees (laughs) here on the farm now let's do it so (laughs) you're like evangelists for the for the maple syrup (laughs) thank you so much and pat maybe buddy and i'll come enjoy a drink with you on the back porch sometime we're in